Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? I'm thankful this week, Amy. I would hope so. If you're going to be thankful, thankful any if you're going to be thankful any week though, it this has to week. be this one. Yeah. Right. I'm thankful every week for our listeners, for everybody who engages with us, but I'm also thankful that people listened to what we said last week as we were signing off. It is a slow news week. Yes. It 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 is. You got and one. that is that is very very nice. Of course, we are recording this on Wednesday, yeah, which I just is jinxed a little it. Yeah, it's a little abnormal for us because we typically record on Friday, not just because of our schedules, but also because that allows an entire week of news to uh, develop. But sometimes we got to take care of our families and we got to take care of our calendars and time and it's the Thanksgiving weekend. So we're doing this on Wednesday so that we could uh, could just give ourselves to the house and the Whitfields and enjoy the holiday weekend. So hopefully there won't be any news that we end up missing the next couple of days, but we'll see. Also, folks, Amy made me do this on Wednesdays so she could camp out at Best Buy at 2 a.m. on Friday morning. That is absolutely not true. I will not be camping out at Best Buy at 2 a.m. on Friday morning. I am not a Black Friday shopper. I think I've only done it once in my entire life. I used to be like I enjoyed going with my mom like when I was young. Yeah. But well, now, I, t- now when I now that I have kids and a job and stuff, now I'm like I enjoy right. sleep a lot more. Pe- I period, take that back. You know? I, I'm not a get up in the morning Black Friday shop. When we used to travel, when I was younger, we would like high school, college, we would go to the beach for Thanksgiving weekend um, because that was actually an area where uh, my grandma who had some lung issues and stuff. It was a great getaway for her. It was really the sea air that she could, could breathe. So it was just a good time with our family. And I would go to the outlets on Friday afternoon after all the crowds had gone. The sales were still going, but the crowds were gone. Uh, the whole camping out, standing in line thing. I, I did it once for a, I don't know, something Thomas the Tank Engine I was trying to get and decided I would never something do that important. again. <laughs> right, something I can't even remember all these years Percy. later. So it was, it was Percy. Right. Yeah, had to have that something Percy. like that. Yeah, but uh, but anyway, no. Wait, I know way too much about Thomas Tank. My kids didn't yeah, even do. watch it, but like it's just those little characters just like sticking in my head. So yeah, uh, one of my greatest little side note. One of the the moments that I'm most proud of as a mom still after all these years was the kids were in when we, we were in Virginia, the kids were in a preschool that they went like, I think Drew went two days a week. Mary went three days a week uh, because of their age. And so one day when they were in preschool, I would drop them off at eight o'clock and then go back and get them at 11. So it's three hours. I came home and I spent three hours building a massive train track all, that went all around like sections of the house and had like tunnels and hills and all this stuff. And it, this, this was the battery powered one. And that's, I spent three hours on it so that Drew would walk in the house and be surprised. And he was, and it was, it, 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 it really was one of my finest. Yeah. Moments. Mom of the year moment right there. Back. I still look back on that with, you know, a lot of pride. But anyway, I also, that's the only Black Friday shopping I ever did, not doing it again. So no, I am not asking you to do this so that I can go camp out. But it will be nice to have Friday 
work free. All right. Hey, well, before we jump into the little news that we do have, we do want to thank our sponsor here each and every week on the podcast, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. The ministry landscape is changing faster than ever, and ministers of every calling need versatile training for today's church and marketplace. And so in partnership with Dallas Baptist University, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary is now enrolling students in their new MDiv MBA program. With a biblically faithful foundation, hands-on ministry experience, and contemporary business training, this is a program for tomorrow's pastors, missionaries, entrepreneurs, and lay leaders. To learn more, visit swbts.edu slash mdivmba. That's swbts.edu slash mdivmba. Hearing great things about that program from our friends over at Southwestern. So can't wait to, to see, uh, you know, it'll be a couple years before we see the first graduates of that, but that'll be exciting right. to, to see graduates, you know, in 2023, 24, start being churned out for the MDiv MBA program over there and, um, and covering that here on the podcast when we do uh, graduations. So speaking of graduations, just a couple of weeks away from yeah. fall graduations. That's Goodness right. Gracious. We'll have quite, quite a round of them yeah. everywhere. And it, it'll be enjoyable because most people are getting to have like in-person yeah. graduations. Back again, to quote like, unquote normal. Right, all the way around. So that's a lot of fun yeah. as well. All right. So this week on the podcast, Amy, we start in Georgia, where we have a verdict in the Ahmed Arbery murder trial. And we got a story about a pastor who's doing some ministry down there surrounding that. Yes. Chris Winford is pastor of First Baptist Brunswick, Georgia. And he uh, he participated in a project with other clergy in the area that was a, a video basically calling for peace as the trial approached the verdict. And as you said, we actually reached that, that that actually came on the day before Thanksgiving this week. So a lot of a lot of discussion on a national level, but certainly on a local level, as all the defendants were convicted of murder, some kind of different levels, but they were all convicted of murder on several. There were several different counts. And as it was a national story, obviously, I was following it. You were following it. Many people were it certainly had an effect on the local area. And so Chris Winford had already been part of this project. It was called Better Together. It was led by the Brunswick Golden Isles Chamber of Commerce. The president and CEO of the Chamber of Commerce is a member there at the church. And it basically was just a, a series of efforts they had been doing to show the hospitality of Brunswick and to encourage peace in the community. There's a story at Baptist Press that kind of tells a little bit more about that. Obviously, Race was at the center of the trial. This was a huge issue, very volatile in the community. And a lot of people coming in from outside, whether it was to uh, to watch outside the trial, to demonstrate, or media coming in. And what they really wanted to communicate as they all worked together, all of these uh, pastors and ministers in the community, is we want to be hospitable to those who are coming in. And we want to promote peace, really, as they prepared for whatever the outcome would be. Yeah, and like you said, we have that outcome now, and, and thankfully, we've not seen anything other than peace in Brunswick right. so far. So, so that's been good. Yeah. So, um, I was watching on the news, watched a lot of the comments after that were done outside the the courthouse by the various uh, people from it. It seems very clear that uh, that those there and those watching. See, feel that justice was done in this case. But what a great story about how. Uh, about how the ministers, including one of our own, Chris Winford, were really working to prepare the community uh, for for what was to come, and uh, so that's that's just a it, it's it's a great story. 
Absolutely, Amy. We continue to pray for the Arbery family and are very thankful for Chris Winford and the ministry that he's got in Brunswick. All right, Amy, got some good news. All right, give it to me. We are done with state meetings after this episode. We are? Yep, we're finishing them up today. All right, so we're we're going to say that's a wrap on 41. 40, because Puerto 40. Rico has theirs in the spring. Oh, man. So, but but for these... We'll yes, done. for these, it's a wrap. Yes. So, Arizona, we start, Amy, out in the West. Arizona has changed their name from the Arizona Southern Baptist Convention to the Arizona Mission Network of Southern Baptists. So, they voted to do that in their meeting earlier this month. Also, passed a budget of $4.286 million. 3.6 of that will be from cooperative program giving in from churches. They up their CP percentage to national and international missions and ministries to 39%. That's an increase of 2.5 percentage points from last year where they were at 36.5. So congratulations to them on that, moving that up. You know, the the whole goal to get to 50-50 that a lot of states have, they're headed in that direction, 39%. $1.4 million or so will come from CP in Arizona. They also elected officers. President Jack Marslender, senior pastor of Avondale Baptist Church in Avondale, Arizona, was elected as president uh, for his second term. Also elected to their second terms were First Vice President Ramon Rodriguez, who's a pastor of Iglesia Bautista Central in Phoenix, and Sean Buchanan, pastor of St. Paul Missionary Baptist in Sierra Vista. So congratulations to the Arizona Baptist. Amy, tell us about Tennessee. All right, so Tennessee over there, uh, where you 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 maybe went to an event. Yeah, no, I went I went to the to the session the Tuesday yeah. night. So, okay, excellent. I made it to so it. you actually got to be there. So it was at Brentwood Baptist Church. They had nine hundred thirty nine messengers and one hundred seventy two guests uh, from five hundred three churches. So uh, pr- pretty big deal. They had a recommendation from the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board regarding a sexual abuse task force that came at the request of Bruce Chester. So yet, you know, another one, we could continue to see this pattern uh, all the way around. It is not, uh, they said it is not an investigation. Um, We want to be open, honest, and transparent. It's a continuing ongoing need. It calls for the task force to compile a report, including suggestions for improvements for presentation to cooperating Tennessee Baptist churches no later than next year's annual meeting in Cordova. They adopted a $35 million cooperative program allocation budget, uh, which is unchanged from last year and budget allocation to Southern Baptist Convention ministries to that uh, segment of the cooperative program will also remain the same at 47.5%. New officers were President Clay Hallmark. He is from First Baptist Church in Lexington, Tennessee. Vice President is Travis Henderson, pastor of Fairview Baptist Church in Mohawk. I'm actually very familiar with Mohawk, Tennessee. My grandfather was, yes, my grandfather uh, was the minister at the Cumberland Presbyterian Church there up on the hill. And that's my childhood going to Mohawk. Very, very small town. So anybody who knows Mohawk knows it's kind of a big deal to, to even Uh, know where it is, but Travis Henderson from Fairview Baptist Church there and second vice president, Scott Brown, pastor of first Baptist church, Waverly. That's Waverly, Tennessee. (laughs) Well, actually we were Waverly Baptist church. We were not first Baptist Waverly. There was another church. I think that was first Baptist Waverly, but we were Waverly Baptist. But that wasn't in Tennessee. That's right. That was in Virginia. So first Baptist church, Waverly, Tennessee, uh, pastor Scott Brown is 
the second vice president. I have no idea where all three of those cities are in Tennessee. So, and really? I think calling Mohawk a city is is being generous, but um, yeah, I have no idea where Lexington, Mohawk, or Waverly is. Well, Mohawk is in Upper East Tennessee near Morristown, uh, Greenville, that area, ne- very next to a small town called Mossheim. But here's a little piece of trivia about Mohawk. The high school there, the old high school, which by the time I was a child was no longer, the building was no longer, you know, a high school anymore, but they would have like town elections there and everything, um, was where Grand Ole Opry star Archie Campbell had graduated from high school. So that was the town's claim to fame. And you're shrugging your shoulders, don't even know who he is. There's got to be some listeners that know who Archie Campbell is. But anyway, that was the claim to fame in Mohawk, uh, along with its beautiful view of the mountains. So, uh, all right, let's move on to... Well, well you, missed, uh, you missed the important part. I've got to I've got to figure out how to sign up for this, though. The, the TBMB oh, also entered into a partnership with the Hawaii Pacific Baptist Convention. Sign me up. Yes, Messengers adopted a recommendation to enter into partnership with the Hawaii Pacific Baptist Convention through 2025. And so it's an opportunity to uh, to connect impact lostness in nation and around the world. So, yeah, maybe they'll send you there. Yeah. They'll hey, Randy Davis, here I am. Send me. All right. Take us to Virginia, To uh, We've already covered one meeting yeah, in Virginia. Yeah, we talked about now that. Tell yeah. Us, yeah, now tell yeah, us so about the BGAV. John Upton, uh, the, the executive director in Virginia at the BGAV, Announced his retirement. We covered that on last week's podcast. And they had 550 messengers and guests participating in the online session. So they did all of theirs online. We, we talked about that last week. His his speech, his retirement announcement came online last week. Uh, they did vote to pass the budget of $8.6 million, a 5% decrease from last year. Of that $8.6 million, the pass on percentage is different. There's like different avenues. So there's not really a, a known percentage or a set percentage like the rest of the state conventions do so that that percentage that comes on is is different from year to year based on what churches choose however they also elected officers ron gravitt a member of buena vista baptist church in buena vista virginia who's the current first vice president was nominated and elected to serve as president for next year herbert ponder pastor of mount Tabor baptist church in richmond was elected first vice president also ellen guathme a member of Brewington Baptist Church was elected second vice president, and Nathan Taylor, a member of River Road Church, was elected as the clerk. So, a uh, good little meeting online in Virginia. So they did uh, the BGAV did theirs online. Amy to a, a convention that I attended, the Louisiana Baptist Convention. Yeah, so five hundred thirty messengers came to the Louisiana Baptist Convention. And uh, they approved a cooperative program budget of $17,626,136. That's a 5.5% decrease from last year. They did not change their uh, formula for distributing cooperative program gifts. They have 63.26% supporting ministries in Louisiana, forwarding on 36.74%. They also uh, had elections. Reggie Bridges, passed pastor of Temple Baptist Church in Ruston was elected president, Stephen Kelly, pastor of Bayou Vista Baptist Church in Morgan City, and director of missions for the Gulf Coast Baptist Association was elected first vice president. Price Harris, an evangelist from Calvary Baptist Church in Shreveport, was elected second vice president. Uh, they were unopposed, so they were uh, voted by acclamation uh, 
for those offices. So uh, sounds like a fairly uneventful meeting in terms of any you know major things. They just followed uh, the the business that was in front of them, some resolutions, other things like that. Uh, all right, so finish us up in Maryland, Delaware. That's right. Shout out to Keith Myers. I know uh, he was w- waiting for this with bated breath. It's number 40 of 40, Keith. So here we go. Maryland, Delaware. Remember, they don't have a state exec right now because uh, they're looking That's for right. a replacement to Kevin Smith, who left in, uh, who resigned in October to head to Florida to pastor a church down there, the family church with Jimmy Scroggins. But they did honor Kevin for his service there. So that was kind of cool to see that. But they had 365 messengers and 29 guests at the Baptist Convention of Maryland, Delaware meeting this year. They passed a budget of $6.9 million, anticipated $3.5 million in cooperative program gifts. Of that, 48% will be forwarded on to international and national CP ministries. They elected Glenn Swanson of Bayside Baptist in Chesapeake, Maryland as president, Jim Testerman, pastor of Oak Grove Baptist in Bel Air, Maryland as first vice president, Vernon Lattimore, pastor of First Mount Rainier in Maryland as second vice president, Stephanie Greer, member of the Garden Church in Baltimore as recording secretary, and Michael Phyllis, pastor of Fenwick Island Baptist Church in Delaware, as recording secretary. They also adopted some Vision 2025 cooperative efforts for the state convention with the following goals. So this is kind of cool. They're setting their own goals for 2025. They want to see 50 new churches, 100 churches engaged in revitalization efforts, 10,000 baptisms, a million mission engagements among the churches in the state, and 100% of them engaging in the Caring Well initiative. So put Caring Well in there on their Vision 2025 goals, and that's kind of cool to see there, Amy. Yeah, excellent. They also passed a resolution. Basically, it was a Caring Well resolution concerning churches and sexual abuse. And this was something that was a little different from the the motions. You know, they didn't establish a task force or anything like that, um, but they went the direction of a resolution. And um, Pasta Keith did a uh, – Keith Meyer, who's a good friend of the pod – did a thread that was great. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll put that in the show notes that just helps give an explanation of what they were doing procedurally with the resolution, just because it's different. Uh, it's a different pathway than, uh, than some of the other state conventions, but it's still, you know, we, we saw this play out differently across states, uh, but we need to get a count to figure out like, what yeah. was the percentage? I think it was of, 17. Yeah. 17 states that did I something. Think. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go back and look and make sure we've got that, but uh, but well, we're going to do a story but, on it at Baptist Press next week. So, oh, excellent! Then you guys take can care do it for me. That's why I think I know the me. number. So yes, so uh, but but that's the pattern we definitely saw this year as we end those. And Amy, with that, we are done with the news this week, and that brings me to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right, we are going to go to 1949 as we are thinking about state conventions, and I'm taking a little little personal privilege here and uh, doing a milestone in my own state convention. So uh, this was um, a big uh, a big announcement from their state meeting. The Baptist State Convention of North Carolina met in Raleigh and voted to purchase the Fort Caswell property. For $86,000. I've got to get to this place. How much did they pay for it? $86,000. That's a steal, by the way. Um, Absolutely. I've got to get there. I've got I've oh. got to make it to Fort Caswell. we we got to do a story on this. i gotta, I got to get out there somehow. 
I'm telling you, Fort Caswell is one of the coolest places. It is one of the properties that still belongs to the North Carolina Baptist Convention. All of our student camps in the summer happen there. And it is such a neat, neat area right there on the water. There's access to the beach. There's just all kinds of There's cool a stuff. Fort. Also, there right, is a fort. There's also a fort. Yes. You're the only state and convention with a fort. If, if all the state conventions went to war... I'm going to right. North Carolina because and you, you can have a actually fort. like like there's tunnels you can walk around in like there's just all kinds of really cool stuff, and so when I saw this I thought okay I'm going to take a little North Carolina privilege here and say 1949 is when we bought Fort Caswell. Uh, so I don't know that they understood what a big deal it was at the time, but now I'm looking and saying this week in SBC history started something that's a great tradition for the state of North Carolina. I definitely will. We will not just put a link to that story in the show notes, but actually we'll put a link to some of the like information about Fort Caswell. Uh, Cause it is, it's a super cool place, place to go. Yeah. And um, it was like a decommissioned army base after world war two. And right. You know, like it literally been a fort and it's like on a, peninsula out there jutting into the Atlantic Ocean. So you've surrounded by beaches and waterways and it has a fort. I mean, how cool right. is that? There's, I mean, yeah, there's that. I mean, they bought it from the federal government. Yeah. Like they bought yes. like yeah. this is. Yeah. Decommissioned base. Here it is. Come buy it. Yep. Yeah. Oh. So it's really cool. Right at the eastern end of Oak Island. So it's kind of you go through Wilmington, you know, to get to it. So we had a there was a couple of summers where Southeastern, we sent people there weekly because they would have different camps that would come in weekly and we'd go down and do different presentations and stuff. So I got to take the you kids volunteer tribute in a heartbeat. Day. Absolutely. Yes. And then have done had done some uh, work retreats from uh, Southeastern there, too, because it's got a great uh, little kind of like Ridgecrest has the, um, has the hotel, uh, part mountain Laurel. They have a, they have a, an area like that too. So there's lots of houses, cabins, things, but then there's a, a place where you can just get like a basic room. And, and so I've been there for meetings and stuff. It's a fantastic place to go. So there you go. All right. Well, yeah, that, that's really cool. I didn't realize that happened this week in SBC history, but now I know. Now, you know, so now we know. And yes, um, in the in the battle of state conventions, and you know, in 2082, whenever the state conventions go to war, <laughs> North Carolina yeah. will be holed up in their fort. That's a joke, folks. All right, so that brings us to our resources of the week. Kind of a combo resource this week. Amy, next week is the week of prayer for international missions. That's right. Tell us a little bit about it so that we can be ready. Starting Sunday. The IMB is, you know, joining churches and Southern Baptists around the world, literally, to pray for international missions. So there'll be uh, prayer information. Uh, they're doing stuff at the IMB website. We've got stuff coming at Baptist Press. There'll be stuff, text messages going out, everything online, all the social media channels pushing you to daily prayer prompts, as well as this is kind of the kickoff to the Lottie Moon Christmas season. So we're, we're really excited about that. And, and we've got actually, Amy, we've got something that the Hans, William and Heidi Hahn, have sent me audio for all of December. We're going to start this week. I'm going to drop uh, right here in just a minute. I'm going to drop an audio clip for the week of prayer for international missions. So we've got information. They've got some videos that they're putting out and, and William sent them to me so I could grab the audio and play them in the podcast here. So to kick off our week of prayer for international missions, hear from the IMB. 
My name is Leah Gibbons. I live in West Africa. I wanted to thank you for your giving to the cooperative program and to Lottie Moon. It allows me to teach New Hope trauma trainings here in West Africa. The New Hope trainings, they use Bible stories to help us deal with trauma that we've been dealing with ongoing, especially with COVID happening right now. The goal of the training is for individuals to be able to come alongside other people to help them too. So thank you for your prayer support and for your giving. All right. Thanks, William, for sending that. And we want to encourage everyone to participate in the week of prayer for international missions. The the unofficial official missionaries of the pod, right? Don't tell the rices. Yes, but all of our missionaries yes. are yes. missionaries of the pod. Yes. But we do have a special place in our heart for the Hans, especially from the interviews that we have done. Uh, but also a big fan of the rices too over in Tokyo. And and all of our missionaries. I mean, absolutely. There, there's a bunch of them out there, folks. So I have some from my home church. Amy has some from hers. So, uh, but yeah, thanks again to William for sending that over and uh, glad to be able to use that here on the podcast during the month of, uh, no, well, you know, the end of November and through the month of December. So if your church is doing something or, or wants to do more, you can find out more over at the IMB website or at the uh, Lottie Moon website. We'll, we'll link all that in the show notes, but I uh, did want to kick off that season of giving and also season of prayer uh, this week here on the podcast. All right, Amy, next week we got a special treat. So Monday, we're going to drop a special episode of the podcast in -hmm. conjunction with the ERLC because next week is a massive week in Washington, D.C. I know you wish you could be there. In D.C. For uh, absolutely. This. Yeah. But, Oral arguments at yeah. the Supreme Court in the Dobbs case. So Big Dobbs deal. versus uh, the Jackson Women's Health Center, which everybody is saying, like pointing to this case as one that could potentially begin dismantling Roe v. Wade and that decision. Right. So this depends on where things go. We'll, we'll find out more. But like you said, oral arguments start on Wednesday. So to get you prepared for this, we're dropping a podcast with the ERLC about the case about their work on life initiatives and how you can be a part of praying for this, how you can be a part of caring for women with unplanned pregnancies, and also how you can stand for life. Um, That's basically what it is. It's Stand for Life Week next week, especially at Baptist Press, but here on the podcast as well. So Monday, be looking for that. Chelsea Soblick, Elizabeth Graham, Brent Leatherwood join me, and we have recorded a podcast for this and we're going to drop that on Monday. So be sure to check that out. That's going to be episode 352. Don't miss that on Monday. It's about a 45-minute discussion, kind of laying out the specifics of the case, what's going on, why it's so important, and why we need to be in prayer for this particular case as it relates to you know abortion in America. So uh, All right. stand for life next week, the, uh, the podcast with the ERLC. So be sure to check that out on Monday. So special episode. All right, so Amy, got a lot to be thankful for this year. I'm thankful for you. Amy, I'll see you next week. See you next week. 